We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! You have meddled to the primal forces of nature! Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. <laughs> Jason Hermes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is Reality Grants. I am Jason Burmes. This is presented by RedVoiceMedia.com. Remember, we do it live Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. We go pro premium at the top of the next our redvoicemedia.com slash jason or redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored to support the broadcast start the first week for only a dollar and then it's 10 bucks a month after that or lock it in lock it lock it lock it lock it in for a hundred dollars for the year really helps the broadcast get going so what are we gonna be talking about today we got plenty and i want to start with a subject that I've been discussing for a very long time, and not just because there's a creepy owl, not just because we got the druidic mock human sacrifices going on, but because the Bohemian Grove is a place of great political outcome. And what do I mean by outcome? Well, this is a network of some of the most influential and rich people within that Anglo-American establishment. Mm -hmm. And it has been for quite some time. And really, probably the largest outward illustration of this fact is that nuclear weapons, nuclear power, their genesis, their genesis comes from the Bohemian Grove, all right? This is a place where policy is set. So when I see Clarence Thomas and the Bohemian Grove trending, okay, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? What makes it even more bizarre is that Clarence Thomas is trending with the Bohemian Grove 
from a news piece by an organization I've never heard of, not one time. And I've been in this game a very, very long time. I didn't go to the lengths to see who owns or when, quote unquote, ProPublica started. But out of nowhere, ProPublica does this story, has a long Twitter thread going after Clarence Thomas and essentially saying, hey, this guy is taking hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts from a billionaire Republican. Shocker. He's only been in the court almost 30 years now. I'm shocked. Might even be over 30 years. Might be all the way back in, uh, geez, if, if you think about it, probably, what, 92? No, it's probably like 90, 92. It's probably over 30 years. Let's look it up. Let's do it live. I don't want to get misquoted. You know, that's that's one of the things we can do here. Clarence Thomas becomes Supreme Court Justice. Um, 1990. Yeah, more than 30 years ago. 33 years ago. Oh, people are going to love that one. 33 years, Jason. You knew that. Masonic. Ooh. You know, it's so funny. I'm certainly not a Mason, not a part of any secret society. I'm in a fraternity, which is a local one. I owe to Tau Kappa, Oneana, New York, SUNY, New York system. Shout out. I'm not going to be able to make it to Alumni Weekend in just uh, two and a half weeks all the way in New York. But I had somebody say something about Shade the Motion Picture the other day that I give some kind of a Masonic handshake. No, I don't. I gave a handshake. I know what the Masonic handshake is. It's like a half a handshake. That's not what I gave him a real handshake. You know, like a grip that man shake. So although, you know, again, symbolism plays a role, and that is certainly something we need to talk about. What we really need to talk about is the influence that this place has over the entire establishment and... Why in the world would the news media focus it? Because it's everywhere. This Publica thing. Never, again, never heard of the organization whatsoever. No idea uh, what their motives is, but it seems like they're pretty uh, partisan and left-leaning. And going after Clarence Thomas, apparently, when we watch these news clips, including AOC uh, talking about it and talking about how the Republicans are a criminal organization or rife with crime— yeah, so are the Democrats. And I'm not I'm not sitting here holding water for any Republicans at all. Because largely the uh Republican establishment, the conservative establishment are Grovers. Whereas it, it's not as many Democrats. In fact, uh Bill Clinton famously when asked about it says isn't that where all the Republicans run around naked? Let's find it. Let's let's do it. Let's do it live. I think I have that in my film, uh, Invisible Empire, but let's see if we can just do it on the fly here as I sit here and talk about it. Um, I typed in Bill Clinton, Bohemian Grove. We'll go to videos and see if it comes up rather easily. No, 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 no. And a big nope. Let's see what DuckDuckGo has to do. Google constantly disappointing. Not a shocker. So let's do it. The, we got the duck, duck, doe. Oh, I, again, 
I can't reiterate how ridiculously bad the search results now are on Google. I typed in Bill Clinton, Bohemian Grove. This is what should have come up. The frustration is real. Oh, and you want, you want AI. So a company that helps run the AI is in partnership with NASA, the NSA on the AI and on the quantum computing. All right. They came in with the don't be evil while they were funded by InQtel, the CIA branch of funding technology. Okay. We're not evil. Don't be evil. Now they're a Leviathan. And I can't type in something that should obviously come up first, obviously come up for, and get it to come up. I got to go to an alternative search engine now. And will alternative search engines even be allowed? So let's see. What, which one would we do? Do we do the top one? Let's let's do the top one. Let's let's see what we got. Oh, we got some clouds. What are you going to talk, talk about? Yeah. A fraud? No, it wasn't a fraud, but I'll be glad to talk to you if you'll shut up and let me talk. Now. Woo! And a fraud? Let me tell you something. Oh, see, look at that. Let me tell you something. I got the crowd behind me now. Now, woo! Go Clinton. Say what you want on him. Uh, want about him. He was a popular president. Not as popular of the, as the Barack star, but they gave him his own cult, right? They didn't just give Bill Clinton the Nobel Peace Prize as, as his uh, inauguration gift. But they did do that for the Barack star who'd done nothing for peace. But I acknowledge reality. And the reality is that this guy was extremely popular for a very long time and still pretty popular with the left and liberals. Yep. I'll tell you a couple of stories about fraud. There it is. Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove. The Bohemian Club, the, as you say, the Bohemian Club, that's where all those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against redwood trees, right? I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go. It'd be good for you. Get some fresh air. Woo! Woo! So again, all those Republicans sitting there peeing on the trees. And Richard Nixon famously... Um, has some recorded audio on calling it the G damnest most effity, as in agony thing he'd ever been a part of, ever. You know that they hire male prostitutes, okay? Male prostitutes and male porn stars, gay porn stars, to service the Grove members at this all male club. And look, I, I'm not even getting into. Um, <clears throat> Clarence Thomas or his sexuality, but for this to end up being a headline, okay, in the San Francisco Chronicle this week is astounding to me. And again, it wasn't really from the San Francisco Chronicle. Plenty of other uh, media outlets covered the Grove aspect, but really didn't talk too much about what it meant. All right, they certainly didn't go into the fact that. Um, this is a place where I believe the plans 
that have been set, the discussions that have taken place via Bilderberg, which a much uh, with a much smaller crew, with about 125 people over a weekend instead of two weeks. That's how compartmentalization works. This is how these actual, not online social networks, but actual social networks work. All right, that's how it happens. So you have the uh, Bilderberg uh, Club, which is now going to be meeting in probably a month or less, two months max. It's somewhere mid-May to mid-June. Usually doesn't go past the third week of June whenever they decide. Usually mid-May at this point. Still not on Bilderberg.org. A lot of people will send me fake articles when I start asking for uh, the uh, location. Every year there's fake articles. Every single So before you start sending or posting, at the Bilderberg Group's here, take a look. See if it's backed up by anything. See if it's a reputable source. Because literally, I didn't find out uh, where and when Bilderberg was going to be until the Thursday that they started checking people in in New York City. And uh, I happened to not only be in Iowa, but on top of being in Iowa, um, you know, I, I had uh, I had my girl up. So there was no going and actually um, challenging the system, doing what I'd done, especially when it's in the United States. You know, my, my passport isn't up. I just I just got my Iowa license. I just had to utilize. Do I have it right here? I think I do. Think I got my passport right here. And I, if I got to go overseas, I don't know how we would raise the money for it. Um, but it's certainly something that needs to be done. Someone needs to uh, confront Peter Thiel. All right. And, and not just on what happened with SVB Bank, but I'm more interested what happened within the Trump administration. The fact that you had this guy that was literally uh, the technology supervisor of the administration. And where was he? Where was he in November of 2020? Oh, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel, MAGA 3X, Peter Thiel. I mean, he's part of the show. Peter, Peter's a part of the club. Peter's big tech, big social media, big government, big spying on your ass. And it's not just Peter. I want Eric Schmidt as well. I want to know who's going to be there from Big Pharma. I want to know who's going to be there from the banking industry. So there's actually a couple of uh, photos that are posted of Clarence Thomas during this time uh, inside the Bohemian Grove. And essentially, the thing is that this guy hasn't broken any laws. All right. And they want him taken down for a reason that and that's really why we're doing this and it's not in my opinion a right or left reason it's a right and wrong reason he's judging that you shouldn't mutilate children and this is the new step that mutilation of children on behalf of this new agenda which is really a transhuman agenda a transhuman agenda is being full throttled and my fear with this piece is this is a setup in other words all of these mainline talking heads have a narrative and the narrative is that this is a self-regulating organization and that they don't have an ethics committee and that 
we can't prosecute this person. Okay, we can't bring up charges because there doesn't seem to be any. Now, is there undue influence? I'm not sitting here carrying water for Thomas. I would, I would say, of course. This is what cronyism is. This is why we don't have uh, an actual constitutional republic or actual capitalism. Because this is open collusion inside of a closed system where they do a cremation of care ritual in front of their quote-unquote deity, the owl, in which they cleanse their conscience of any care of the wrongdoing and evils they've done in the prior year on behalf of that same goal. Midsummer night sets us free. Ah, and you're screaming. Come on. Let's 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 get with reality here. But at the same time, Thomas hasn't gone over the deep end and isn't part of this new somehow kids kids children who can't drive a vehicle who can't smoke a cigarette all right whose parents are supposed to be their guardians and custodians for better or for worse okay and have influence over how their child is raised now look plenty of shitty parents out there plenty of a lot and, and we all know that if we grew up in a public school system negligent parents parents that just don't give a damn all right period parents that make the wrong decisions the vast majority of them if not all of them literally if not all of them want to be informed if their boy is starting to talk as if they are a biological girl, okay? And then the school system plays into the mental illness or their daughter, vice versa, thinks that they are a boy. They don't want that held back from them. Just about, I, I can't imagine any parent would want that held back from them. But now we're not only holding it back, but we're encouraging it on purpose and we're calling it love is love. Love is love. No, bullshit. Let somebody become an adult. Okay? I, mean, I was thinking about it the other day because time just flies, man. Boom, 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 boom. 20 years has gone quick. Quick. And I often think to myself, how have I progressed? in the last 20 years. What what is the difference? If you go look at me 15 years ago on uh in I'm wearing like the same type of shirts, same type of hats, same type of clothes. I don't know that I've visually matured much from what I enjoy in clothing or pop culture or comedy or entertainment. They they've all been pretty much the same thing. But what I have been able to do as I've moved through this stuff, is not only amass skill sets, but see different levels and live different levels of responsibilities. All right. And whether that's responsibilities over my own life or the people that are working for me, if I'm managing a place or even what I have to do uh, 
on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis with my nieces, right? That's different levels of responsibility. And when you are immersed among young people, when I say young people, these are the people that are actually supposed to be able to make their decisions. We're talking 18 to 22 to 24, maybe in that college arena, especially, you know, and now we're talking about five, six years ago that I'm involved in this. You see a lot of the naivety of of the big picture, a ton of it. And discussions are a little more difficult with this generation because, in, in my opinion, they haven't been immersed in the civics lesson of critical thinking, of allowing your detractors to speak and then coming up with an intelligent argument against that detractor or a challenge against that idea. Instead, it's all run by emotion. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. So my biggest fear with this Thomas thing is that they're going to play up the idea that there isn't an ethics committee, that they can't bring this guy up on criminal charges, They obviously don't want him on the court. And when I say they, it's not just the Democratic establishment. Again, it's this transhuman establishment that just wants everybody gone, that isn't down like a clown Charlie Brown, that doesn't think that children should be wards of the state, essentially, that believe in parental rights. They want them out of here. They want them gone. They want them dunziddlyunzo. You get it? That's what they want. So, you know, we've had Zombie J in the past speaking about what? Speaking about packing the Supreme Court. Oh, we're going to pack it, pack it on up now. That's dangerous because you start packing that Supreme Court and you're going to get some of the most outlandish and terrible rulings ever. We've already gotten terrible ruling after terrible ruling after terrible ruling, saying that there was no standing in the 2020 election case is just blah. It's beyond reproach. But but again, you guys thought that people like Amy Coney Barrett were your friend or John Kavanaugh, who's a disciple of Carl Mother Truckin' Rove? You're going you're gonna to trust that guy? Carl Rove? The We Create Reality guy? That guy. Nope. <laughs> and by the way, Bill Barr is out there uh, talking some Johnny nonsense about Trump because he's a piece of excrement, period. And, and he is as deep state as it gets. I mean, he, Bill Barr, Central Intelligence Agency, Epstein lawyer, Attorney General under Bush one, the largest. CIA spook slash social climber slash globalist that we have outwardly put into power ever. I mean, that guy was a mover and shaker. That guy was a guy that was actually running shit and not a puppet. Okay. Yeah. He was a puppeteer. Now, everything may have not been by his direction, but he had a say. And he certainly enriched and empowered not only his family, but this ideal set of globalism and a quote unquote 
new world order. Ruled by the law of man, not the law of the jungle. Not the law of the jungle, as he used to say. That's the reality. And yes, the Bush family, the hillbillies, they're part of the Grove Network. They're part of the Grove Network. So I got two clips here. One uh, is more of a local news, straight down the line clip, but I want you to get a feel for it. And notice how they gloss over what the Bohemian Grove is and who goes to the Bohemian Grove and why. And, and once again, I'm going to tell you, I've done a ton of research. Uh, I'm upstairs. I'm not by my books, but you guys know I have the annals. It is not Molik. I repeat, it is not Molik. Let me repeat it again. It is not Molik. And I get I get a lot of pushback from that. Jason, it is too Mo No, it's not Molik. It's not Ball. Now, there is a sacrificial element that is um, of that vein, for sure. There, there is that um, either effigy of a baby or a person that is lit on fire and sacrificed on behalf of care. But it's not ever referenced in their own material as Moloch ever, 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 ever. 100%. They like the owl because the owl is a predator that sees in the night. The owl is wise. That is why it's logo. And honestly, it's brought over by Uncle George Bromley, who was the high priest at the Grove for many years. All right? And he's got, uh, I've got his biography downstairs. I mean, straight up, all up in the Grove. Brought over some of the Eastern uh, mysticism from China. There used to be a large Buddha statue at the Grove. Changed it over to the owl via Bromley. All right? And there's just, there's so much evidence that basically, you know, this is a paganistic club that celebrates their power and their goals through a two-week enchanted encampment of drag. You want to know why that drag is like the next step? into the transhuman thing because they've been doing drag forever for like go watch the the good shepherd and they get used to it in college when they're part of skull and bones or some of these other clubs scroll and key etc and they're in drag and they're doing these plays and then they get in in and it's just all drag all drag um, it's in my film it's in their books. That's not a question. So now you got billionaires and influencers in all sorts of arenas that are comfortable at least once a year, and who knows what's going on in their private life, of dressing up like women. Just throwing it out there. Just letting people know that's the reality. That's what's really going on at the Grove. So... You know, Clarence Thomas is aware of that. <laughs> Clarence Thomas is there. I mean, I don't know that Clarence, I'm not even sure that Clarence is a full-on member. Uh, apparently, he's just a guest of this billionaire donor. But if somebody has uh, one of the, new, I saw the newer, I should have picked it up. I saw one of the newest annals, if not the newest annal at one point, 
for about 300 bucks. And usually I pull the trigger on something like that. Decided not to, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe my bank account was a little low, didn't want to do it. And now I can't find it for under 2,500. And I'm not paying, obviously I'm not paying used car prices for a book. Sorry. And that's one of the ones you can't find really anything online because it's so brand new. It's got a really hard, nice red cover. Uh, any Grovers out there that might be listening and want to give me a copy, please contact me in the DMs. That's how I got this bad boy. Unzip jeans. I want. I mean, this one was pricey too. I'm so glad I got it for free. I think that, that this was still going for like 30, 40 bucks, sometimes more. So without further ado, Let's go to this news clip piece about Clarence Thomas and, and, and notice how the Grove is not emphasized, but it is shown and sort of mentioned. Supreme Justice Clarence Thomas is now responding to a report. He failed to disclose lavish gifts from a GOP mega donor. The report from ProPublica claims that those gifts included luxury trips, among them island hopping on a super yacht in Indonesia, all male retreats at an exclusive California club. And, and see, it says treated to Bohemian Grove. And they don't even say Bohemian Grove's name in this thing at all. This is ABC, okay. They're reporting on it, but what's the angle? Oh, he's committed crimes even though he's committed no crimes. Oh, cronyism exists even though we've known cronyism exists for some time. And basically, we need a system to rein in Clarence Thomas. Fishing at a private resort in the Adirondacks, Justice Thomas released a statement. He is dearest friends with the donor, Harlan Crow and his wife, Kathy. Thomas also says, quote, early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. And you've got to wonder, they weren't able to directly show any kind of a case involving this guy, because they would have shown that. Uh, what this is all about, but you start watching it, you figure out what this narrative is all about. Almost 300 watching. Can we get a hundred thumbs up? Can we get some shares out there, everybody? For more, let's bring in ABC News senior Washington reporter Devin Dwyer. Uh, Devin, staying on that ProPublica report, despite public outcry from both members of Congress, uh, Thomas seems to be shrugging this one off. Would you agree? Both members of Congress. You mean both parties in Congress? But good, tr good try. I mean, you're only a professional news broadcaster. Well, he's certainly acknowledging the relationship with that donor, Alexis, and pushing back on some of the insinuations in that explosive ProPublica report that you talked about. Uh, not only does he sort of couch this uh, this pattern of behavior over 20 years as part of a close friendship with the Harlan uh, Crow family, uh, but he says basically that his colleagues discussed this and advised that he was just fine uh, to let it slide. And in fact, uh, that in itself highlights a big problem with the Supreme Court right now, and that is there is no enforceable ethics code on the justices. There's no independent oversight. Uh, so again, I'm really baffled here because what are you trying to say that you can't have billionaire friends? I mean, the entire military industrial complex is overseen and run by billionaires. The same with the banking industry. So you know that they're gonna reach out 
to people in influential positions, whether it's a Supreme Court justice or a senator or a governor or a congressman. And it's been going on. Why are they singling out Thomas? of the justices, no one checking to make sure that they're in compliance with federal regulations, with federal law. It's all self-policing. Uh, so here, Justice Thomas seems to be saying in his statement today um, that he had every intention of disclosing this, no conflicts of interest, no cases discussed, that this was pure friendship and justices are allowed to have friends and travel with friends. Um, but, but here he says he means to disclose, he will in the future, but um, if you read between the lines, he he contends that he did nothing wrong. I mean, I don't know why he would in the future. They haven't presented any type of violation or crime of anything at all. Not even a little bit. Right. So bottom line, no rules were broken because there was no rule to break. So in, right. in the wake of there was no rule to break of that report from ProPublica. Justice Thomas is also in the spotlight for being one of two Supreme Court justices dissenting in a case about 12 year old uh, transgender girl in West Virginia uh, who challenged a ban on transgender athletes and girls sports. Can you, can you break? So here it is. This is what it's really about. And, and look, man, I, I hate having to constantly talk about this issue. I really do, but it ain't going nowhere. And it's more than just a bunch of sickos that want to have at your children and mutilate them. They want to change the species. The species of humanity. That's what it's about, ultimately. And, and you look at this integration. And just every time I scratch and sniff a story... It smells like transhumanism. It stinks. It's stinky. Down that case for us, and how did this all play out? A significant case, Alexis. This is the first time the Supreme Court has weighed in uh, on a state ban uh, against transgender student athletes. And we've talked about these and reported on these. 19 states making some effort uh, on that front. Three states have lawsuits. West Virginia is one of, the, uh, one of them that's underway. Uh, it's blocked currently, that law, in federal court. And the Supreme Court said yesterday uh, that they will not get involved right now, that they're going to sit on the sidelines and let these battles over transgender student athletes continue to play out in the court system. Um, and that means effectively they will not allow uh, West Virginia's law to take effect. It's on hold. And that was a win for this 12-year-old transgender girl and her family. She's a middle school cross. Oh, look at him smile. It's a, it's a win to let a biological boy compete against little girls. That's a win. That's a W country and track runners and participating on the team, they say without any incident or problem for years, she'll get to continue to do that now while this plays out. But as you know, this is a big uh, point of debate in the country right now. And there's a lot of talk about how this should be handled and what the law says. Yeah, and to that point you just made, West Virginia is one of 19 states that have banned transgender student athletes in just the last three years. So what will this ruling do you think mean for other states with federal lawsuits still pending? Well, for now, it means that these legal battles, uh, Alexis, can continue. Uh, and that will mean we'll see potentially a patchwork of responses to these laws in certain states as they're challenged uh, and defended in court. Um, it also means that the Supreme Court is going to sit on the sidelines for right now. They are not taking a position in what they did yesterday on the merits or the legality of these uh, transgender student athlete bans. Um, they 
likely will in the future when that case, if and when a case gets to them. But for now, they're sitting on the sidelines. And so effectively, we're sort of in a period where the states and the lower courts are going to sort of uh, see how this shakes out. And and we do know that uh, a number of states are pushing pushing ahead, 19 so far. That's up three states just from last year. So obviously, there's a lot of legislation, particularly in conservative communities, um, although the families, transgender uh, of these transgender students say this is really stigmatizing and hurtful. Oh, it's stigmatizing and hurtful. Mm, remember I told you facts don't matter anymore? It's all emotions. So they're setting up this narrative about Thomas before they can bring this stuff to the Supreme Court. And again, I wonder if this is the first stepping stone to packing that court out. And acting like, well, we have to pack it out because there's criminals on the court and there's no way to charge them with their criminal behavior or activity. That'll be the excuse. That's the talking point. Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. And again, this is ABC News. Same talking points taking place via AOC. Okay, AOC and CNN. Let's play that clip. Now let's speak with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York. Thank you for joining us on this holiday Sunday. By the way, this, this woman literally speaks and looks like a petulant child. Like, like a, I mean, talk about unqualified for the position. I mean, this is an installed media Muppet puppet. Not an original thought in her head, except for what kind of flavor vodka that she likes in her uh, Red Bull bombs. Okay, that's it. That's all it is. Oh, do I like the blueberry or the peach sunshine? Ooh, the kettle one or the Smirnoff? That's it. That's all she's thinking about. Not much else. And like how to do the bidding of the establishment that got her into power. The abortion pill ruling doesn't take effect for seven days. You just heard me discussing that with Javier Becerra. The Biden administration is appealing it. Are you satisfied with what you just heard? And what would it mean for women if approval for this pill is revoked nationwide? Well, you know, I do. Um, while I commend the Biden administration for appealing the decision, uh, and I believe that Secretary Becerra has been doing a, a, a phenomenal a job in his role. I do think that when it comes to gaming out what the very real possibilities are in the coming days, weeks, and months, this is not just about speculation, but this is about preparation. And the reality of our courts right now is very disturbing. This ruling is in extreme abuse of power. It is an extraordinary example of judicial overreach. The grounds of the ruling are complete, are, are just completely discredited and without grounds. See, there's no argument there. See, the grounds are without grounds. The grounds are without grounds. Doesn't tell you anything about it. Doesn't say why it, does, it doesn't have any grounds. Doesn't say why it's discredited at all. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. This is CNN. You you just go with the talking points. This is the reality. They're putting this woman on State of the Union. 
And what we also learned this week is that a Supreme Court justice of this court has been a Supreme Court justice of this court. I mean, she doesn't speak well. Like at all. You know, when they used to put puppets out there, like the Barack star, at least he was articulate. Okay, he was. He's an excellent speaker. You know, lawyers speak for sure, but you wouldn't hear him say, the grounds of this case have no grounds. They've been discredited. Might might throw in the discredit. I mean, it's ridiculous. The Supreme Court of this court child, a petulant child. Receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gifts and expenses and having lifestyle subsidies by a billionaire who has been funding the, the same types of judicial organizations that appointed this judge in a partisan ruling in the first place. I'm going to get to that. Uh, appointed this judge in a partisan ruling in the first place. They did. They, they didn't want the establishment really tried to not allow Clarence Thomas on the court for some reason. Like, I have no idea whether or not the sexual harassment uh, claims from Anita Hill were true. All I remember from that era, I remember 1990, I'm a ripe uh, old age of 11, but I, I'll never forget pubic hair on the Coke can and long dong silver. Someone was talking some long dong silver movie talk, apparently, allegedly, and some pubic hair on a Coke can. And that just really, that and, and sexual advances towards Anita Hill. Now, Thomas denied all of them. Clinton, who we saw earlier, has said that he believed Anita Hill during those hearings. It's almost... Uh, neither here nor there, since he eventually does get confirmed and he's been on the court system for 30 plus years. But again, to me, this is the setup to try to what? Pack the Supreme Court and essentially eviscerate states' rights on a multitude of issues, but especially the ones including what? Abortion, again, not my hill to die on, but I like that it's a state's right issue, rights issue all the, uh, at this time, especially, especially when there's no agreed upon limit to that. And that it went from abortion at a month, two months, three months max to six months and then after they're born, which isn't abortion. It's clearly infanticide and clearly. And as a premature baby, I'd say after six months, yeah, there, there is no doubt it is infanticide into the murder of a child. You, you want to argue before? I'm not here to make that argument. They don't want that to be a state's rights, and they don't want states to stand up for their parental rights, ever. Ever. They want to make as many people a ward of the state as possible. Institute them into a new type of slavery. My generation, I got this clip of David Icke, Debt slavery is one of the ways they got us. Really, my parents' generation, where it wasn't save, 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 buy a home and a car. It was get a loan, 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 go to college, take a mortgage and a car payment. And take as many of these little magic cards that you swipe will do. We'll give you a score based on that. Genius, brilliant. Debt slavery.
debt slavery. Let's get back to AOC breaking. Oh, yeah. And look, this is a billionaire over over 30 years with with Clarence Thomas. And they're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. If it's not even in the millions, this is chump change to this guy. This guy wipes his ass with this kind of money. It's nothing. It's a it's a piss in the wind. But in a second, I just want to stick with with abortion uh, first. And, and the what you just heard uh, me ask the secretary about was something that you called on the Biden administration to do, which is just to simply ignore the court ruling. Um, that's a pretty uh, stunning. A, a pretty asinine statement. A, a, the statement of an ignoramus. Yeah, just ignore the court. Just ignore the entire system and not on the basis of actual moral grounds, but on the basis of a delusional, disturbing, destructive ideology. That's the truth. Position, if you think about it in the in the abstract about the notion of just ignoring uh, a judge's position. So I, my question is, when this case is resolved by the Supreme Court, should the administration follow that decision if that decision ends up banning this abortion drug? Well, you know, I, I want to take a step back and, and dig into the grounds around ignoring this preliminary ruling as well. There is an extraordinary amount of precedent for this. There is a There's an extraordinary amount of precedent for, you know, not abiding by a ruling. And I'm not trying to give any more hype or heat to that whole Tennessee courthouse thing, but give me a break, man. Give me a break. Like I saw those, those people, first of all, nothing about that protest in Tennessee was natural. Nothing. That wasn't grassroots. It wasn't natural. It was clearly, clearly orchestrated and brought people in as activists many of whom I would assume were paid. Let's just be honest, bust in, paid, whatever. And then you got these two cartoon show dudes that are playing into this ultra racist narrative of, of America, right? And they get all the hype, right? And then the dude on Tucker Carlson on Friday, who's a member of that body in, uh, in Tennessee, who's obviously not a white guy, who's been there for quite some time. He's like, what is this? I've never been made to feel uncomfortable at all. Not even a little bit. I've been here a long time. It's a place of respect. Imagine that. No, we're just going to ignore it. We're going to ignore it all. There's, there's precedence for us just to do whatever the mother truck we want firm known as agency non-acquiescence. Um, and this has been used in, in for folks saying this is a first, that this is a precedent setting. It is not. The Trump administration uh, also did this very thing, but also it has happened before. Uh, the idea of consistency and governance until uh, there is a, a higher court ruling is not an unprecedented thing to happen. In fact, when the Trump administration did it, it was arguably through a much, uh, you know, a, a, a very grave issue when it came to DACA. The Trump mm -hmm. administration was ordered to fully reinstate DACA, the DACA program, and they 
in, in, in a complete defiance, uh, did not do that. They rely on, the, the courts rely on the legitimacy of their rulings. Now, if you forget DACA, this was the dream, the dreamers, the dreamers. The Trump administration, far from perfect on the border issue, all right, far from uh, perfect on the immigration issue, uh, you know, show me the evidence that they just ignored that. Uh, again, what I was seeing was the fact that you had people on the border that were being told by their state representatives, their state governments, to ignore the Trump edicts on the border. And when you look at this, it's always Trump, 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 Trump. I don't even want to bring Trump up. And, and I've got the mother Trump sitting here in uh, in this picture. I want people to look at really quick because we're coming up on the uh, bottom of the hour. Remember, you can listen to the second hour for free over at the Info Warrior Podbean channel. But if you do want to come over for the video, please, please consider redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Sign up for a buck today. Get the first week for a dollar. You like it? Stick around. Ten bucks a month or lock it in, lock it in, lock it in right now at $100 for the year for that second part of the broadcast. Now, Dana White was in Miami. Great card on Saturday night. Don't worry. We're going to go back to AOC. But I just want to mention this. Um, incredibly popular. On the other side, we're going to play... Not only the standing ovation, they all walked out to American Badass together, right? Kid Rock in the news for what he did to the, I didn't even want to talk about the Bud Light nonsense, but yeah, Bud Light hasn't posted on their social media for more than a week after uh, pulling the Mulvaney. Again, try, trying to promote a mentally ill dude, all right, on a blue collar beer. I don't even like Bud Light. Anheuser-Busch, no thanks. I mean, they own a ton. You, People don't understand how, how, how many beers Anheuser-Busch owns. A ton. You think you're boycotting them? You're probably not. Not unless you're going to Coors Light. Pretty sure that's not part of the Anheuser-Busch family. Might be on another one. But that guy is incredibly popular, whether you like him or not. Standing ovations. And then Masvidal, who retired, uh, came up short against uh, a very, very astute and talented Gilbert Burns, Gilbert, uh, a man on a mission. Talked about Trump, loves Trump. You know, he's from uh, Miami. He actually talked about DeSantis, but asked for the Let's Go Brandon rant. Uh, and he got it twice. He got, he got the crowd to do the Let's Go Brandon twice. When have we ever been in a situation where there are stadium stadiums of people, all right, cheering on the guy who's supposed to be the next Hitler, the big criminal who just got indicted, who's the bad man. He's the bad man, the bad president. And the actual president can't go anywhere in public with a large amount of people without being heckled or booed. But that's the 81 million vote man. Zombie J, the guy that can't talk, that can't speak, he's the popular guy. I'm so sick of being gaslit when 
again, I see these guys getting standing ovations. Not boo. Not lock him up. Lock him up. No. Standing ovations. That's reality. And every other network is going to tell you otherwise. And this isn't a Republican rant. Again, we're just in a place called reality. And, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until we go to the uh, flip here to play the Masvidal clip because I don't want to copyright strike and Zufa is uh, is pretty on the ball when it comes to that. Let's get back to AOC. Let's, let's wrap this clip up, although there's quite a bit left in it, where uh, AOC calls the Republicans criminal. And look, they are, just like the Democrats are criminal, no doubt. And when they make a mockery of our system, a mockery of our democracy and a mockery of our law, as the as what we just saw happen in this Mifepristone uh, ruling, then I believe that the, that the executive branch, and we know that the executive branch has an enforcement discretion, especially should, should, in light of a contradicting ruling coming out of Washington. Should that apply if the Supreme Court upheld, upholds the Texas judge's decision? You know, I think one of the things that it, I think one of the things that we need to ex- examine is the the grounds of that ruling. But uh, once again, the grounds of the ruling. You said the gr- the grounds of rulings don't have any grounds. This is the the brilliant statesperson AOC Sandy Cortez. I do not believe that the courts have the authority to to have the authority over the FDA that they just asserted, and I do. The FDA. The Food and Drug Administration should be an advisory organization at best. Shouldn't have power over the the FDA is corrupt. They're awful. It's it's a revolving door of paid for politicians on both sides. AOC, the FDA, and Big Pharma, uh, Big Pharma have a big old circle jerkins going on. That's what's going on. Give me a break. I believe that it creates a crisis. Should the Supreme Court do that, it would essentially institute a national abortion ban because you have an extraordinary amount of states who have implemented surgicals, uh, surgical bans or bans after very early time periods. Very early time periods? <sighs> Again, I don't even like talking about it because in my personal life, I would never adhere to an abortion, ever, 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 ever. I would take responsibility for my action. I, I severely want children, you know, but they don't want you to have them. And 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 again, th- these are people that have said three months isn't enough, six months isn't enough, maybe, and again, nine months. Well, you know, maybe we'll just make the baby comfortable. We'll call it a baby, but, you know, it's not really a baby. No, it's a baby. It's It's a baby. And then if you pair that with a mifepristone ban, mm-hmm. then we will essentially have a ban on abortion uh, with, I mean, there are certain workarounds, I will admit, there would be certain workarounds, but we would have taken a very significant step towards a national abortion ban. When Once you ban medication abortion, which represents, or start banning medication abortion, which represents the overwhelming number of abortions in the United States, then we are in extremely dangerous territory. And I would urge the Supreme Court in its lawlessness that they are exhibiting right now already. It's lawlessness. 
their extraordinary conflict of interest. I mean, my hope would be that we do not get to that point. But once, if we do, I do believe that we must start to uh, start to push back on our system of checks and balances, which is designed to push back. Our system of checks and balances has been broken for some time. We live in a military industrial complex, okay, continuity of government executive within an executive state. That's where we're at. And, and, you know, I mentioned Bill Barr, but Bill Barr's out there talking about how Trump's the weakest candidate, and that's why they're promoting him because they want him to lose. The man still gets standing ovations amongst tens of thousands. He's a red state, Jason. Yeah, I'm sure no Democrats came out to go watch the UFC. I'm sure it's just Republicans and conservatives and right-wingers that watch the most popular combat sport in the world. I'm sure that's all that watches ESPN, who has the exclusive deal to the pay-per-views in this country and is owned by Disney. Yeah, okay. I'm in imagination land now. Give me a break. Remember, we're going premium in just a few minutes. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. Sign up today. Support the broadcast. On Should there be an example of judicial tyranny and judicial overreach? Let's talk uh, uh, more about the Supreme Court and what you mentioned before, which is that Justice Clarence Thomas, you want him to be impeached. (laughs) Impeach him for no crime. Impeach him for no violation. Impeach, impeach, impeach. Whoa. Whoa. And and again, I'm not saying there isn't cronyism going on. I'm not saying the Bohemian Grove's a great place. Impeach, impeach. Don't. Don't abide by what the court says and impeach the guy you don't like. But really, in my mind, when that fails, this is where where the the call on the Biden administration start packing the court before the next election is where it's at. Can can you imagine they start packing the court before November 2020 and they just start appointing justices like that? New ProPublica report this week revealed that he accepted luxury vacations from a Republican billionaire donor without disclosing them. Thomas is now defending himself, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, quote, early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was reportable, was not reportable, rather. What is your response? I think that his own statement contradicts uh, contradicts many of the facts on the ground and also raises in other ways even more serious questions. Later on in his statement, he stated that the reason and the rationale for this exemption was personal hospitality from an old friend. And he said himself in his statement, a friend of 25 years, just as Thomas has been on the court for 30 years. 33. And so to say what he is admitting in his statement in an attempt to defend himself is that he began this relationship with a billionaire and receiving these sorts of gifts as after he was appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States. I th- so, so once again, when you're in those types of positions of power, you get introduced to a lot of powerful people, a lot. 
And if one of those people becomes your friend, there's nothing illegal about that. Now, did this guy have undue influence over the court? I can't say one way or the other. I wasn't there for private conversations. I'm not saying it's not a possibility. But on the surface, there's clearly no there there. All right. Here's the deal, everybody. We're going to start closing them out. One at a time, I want you to come over to the paid portion of the broadcast or go listen for free over on the InfoWarrior Podbean channel. We're going to play the rest of that clip. We're going to play Jorge Masvidal calling for the Let's Go Brandon via Trump at UFC. We've got sustainable goals and development from the UN, a couple of videos that we're going to be breaking down and then we've got David Icke talking about debt slavery years and years and years ago. All that's coming up on the premium portion of the broadcast. I like to remind everybody that when we do this, okay, when we do this every single uh, Monday through Thursday, we also release the premium from two weeks earlier. And I usually put a link to like four or five videos that get released over on my Twitter. So you can now watch the premium for free as well. We love to give it all away. All right, I'm almost a minute over. So let's start doing this one at a time. I wanna thank everybody who's been a part of this broadcast over at Rockfin. I love you guys. YouTube, you know the deal, we's gots to go. Twitter, it's been real. I didn't even get to uh, play the uh, the Musker Nuts is now feuding with Matt Taibbi. We'll probably be covering that in the next hour. And finally, Rumble. It's been real. All right, folks. Uh, we continue on in the broadcast. And uh, I want to just remind everybody that we cannot do it without you. So if you are coming over to Premium, like uh, like I've seen and like I know that you can, and I'm getting referrals all over the place. Thank you so much. I want to personally say thank you. So I'm just waiting for my text message from my producer, or maybe they'll just say something over the over the air, because apparently my text messages are a little delayed lately, which I don't like. I don't care for that one bit. Rumble's Not good. Not even a little. We're good. I like that. We're ready to rock. We're going to go back to the AOC. Oh, there, there's, there's that text message. I thought I put this on Vibrate. Did put it on Vibrate. Come on. Let's, let's do better. All right, here we go. AOC wrapping it up. Think that that in and of itself indicates a very, very serious problem. And then on top of that, he is now implicating his colleagues. And I do believe that Chief Justice John Roberts must now come forward. And, and state if he allows and is allowing this kind of very serious corruption to happen on, on this court. I think, you know, when it comes to, to Justice uh, Thomas's statement, when he's talking about his colleagues and when he's talking about who advised him to break the law. Who advised him? There is, what law? Who advised him to break the law? And, and as far as I know, hasn't Thomas been on the, wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, the, the judge she's talking about a George uh, Bush appointee, George Bush II, Roberts? Let's see. John, let's do it live. John Roberts appointed to Supreme 
court. Let's see what we got. 2005. Yeah. So, so Thomas, what, what you think that Thomas started a, a relationship with this guy 25 years ago and he's talking to Roberts about it. And he was at justice before Roberts 15 years. What sense is this woman making? Not much, not much sense. I think we need to know who those people are. Did the Justice Department investigate? I mean, I believe what we what we're seeing right now is is a breaking of the law, and we have to examine what institutions. I know that there are calls for. Um, I know that there are calls for Chief Justice to for Chief Justice Roberts to initiate an investigation. I do not think that uh, this court any longer has the legitimacy, especially after the Supreme Court leak last year which never came to a conclusion because the investigation itself that Chief Just Justice Roberts uh, started back then, I believe is, is very discredited by naming a position uh, that has an inherent conflict of interest because it is employed by those justices to pursue that investigation. Mm -hmm. I believe that, the, and it is the House's responsibility to well, pursue that investigation in the form of impeachment. Well, oh, in the form of impeachment, no crime, but we're gonna, listen, impeachment is a crime has been committed all right you've already investigated it to the point where you're getting ready to charge the person this person still is not named a crime that has taken place at all not even a little bit like what planet are we on um, let me ask you i mean you you know full well that the house is now run by republicans how are you going to move what you're calling for uh, articles of impeachment through a house that is run by republicans you know i think it's a it's a perf there is the question of the politics of what we are doing and there's the question of the the course and the accountability and the structures of what we are doing i admit it is a it is very difficult to see a path in a republican party that refuses to hold itself accountable and in fact breaches the law itself I mean, again, not holding water for the Republicans. I mean, the inverse of reality would be to believe the Democrats don't do the same thing. The same exact, we see the same exact thing. Same thing. For all of their talk of a crime wave and Democrats, talk, uh, Republicans talking about crime waves across the country, the crime wave is within the Republican Party. It is within all of of the what we are seeing. We have we have seen uh, we are seeing breaking of the law by. I mean, she's mumbles McSimmons too. She speaks way better than Joe Biden because that's not hard anymore. But let's talk about again another really unimpressive person being put into a position of power and elevated by the media industrial complex. And this person is a joke. Uh, conservative members of the court, we are seeing a, a former president of the United States just indicted uh, in, the, in recent days. I mean. And there it is. Well, let's bring up the phony indictment that doesn't specify the crime that is ultimately about hush money on three separate cases, including a Trump love child, uh, uh, some other model other than Stormy Daniels and then Stormy Daniels, who cares? There's there's still no crime that I've seen. I've seen, I've seen no crime and the guy's getting standing O's.
Yeah, let's just ignore that. The, the crime wave within the Republican Party. We need to hold our systems accountable. And I do not believe that we should be refusing to do that for political reasons. I believe that we should pursue the course. And if it is Republicans that decide to protect those who are breaking the law, then they are the ones who then are responsible for that decision. But we should not be complicit in that. Please. Blah. AOC. Blah. So let's bring it on back, bring it on back, bring it on back. There's Donnie with the crew. All right. And let's see. I think, oh, yeah, I did want to point that out too. No, nope, that's not what I wanted. This is what we're looking at here. Here's here's Donnie T standing o ovation right here. You hear, you hear a lot of booze going on? Again, love him or hate him, they love him. They love him. Came to Davenport, Iowa, lines around the corner. This is the, you know, Cheeto man is the, the bad man, the orange man. He's supposed to be hated. Ooh, they love him. They love him. So again, you know, beloved by people. And here's uh, Jorge Masvidal retiring, talking about Trump, and getting the crowd going on a let's go, Brandon. I'm a huge fan, and I've appreciated everything you've done. Also, I want to say, greatest president in the history of the world, sitting right there. I love that guy. So once again, you know, and look at even Rogan smiling. I get ovations. Standing ovations for this guy. We also got the greatest governor of all time here in Florida. Let's keep Florida free. Obrese. And let's take that. You know who? Let's go Brandon motherfucker out of power and replace him. If I could get it just one time. Let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. I'm out y'all. Three o'clock for life. So. Again, I have to be gaslit into believing that that wasn't real. You have to go 1984 Winston Smith style, two plus two equals five, that he's a hated man, that America hates Trump, that everybody in there is a Republican. It, it, it's not real. It's not real. The guy is wildly mother trucking popular. And it's not just because they like Jorge Masvidal. Once again, can you remember a time in the United States, okay, when you had thousands of people chanting, fuck the president? Did it ever happen? Can anyone show me anything like that? In any era, Bush, who was not like the, the second one, can we can we see that? Certainly not Clinton, certainly not the Barack star. Do we have to go further back? Did it ever happen to Roosevelt, either one? Did, did it? Eisenhower must have missed it. Richard Nixon, 
Hello? Even Lyndon Baines Johnson. Did that happen? Gerald Ford? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Nope. But he's hated. He's so hated. And Bill Barr says he's the weakest candidate. There's not another. I don't think DeSantis could have stood up there and got the kind of uh, cheering that he got in his own state. I don't. I just don't believe it. They, they, the guy is wildly popular, wildly popular. So you know what? I, I thought I was going to go into the sustain, uh, sustainable development videos first, but I really think that I'm going to play this Ike clip first. Maybe even play it with no, uh, with no interruption. It's about three minutes long, but I, I wanted to show everybody this quick story that's happening now. That there seems to be some falling out be, between Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk. Elon stop following Taibi. And then all of a sudden there were allegations that Substack had been throttled in the Twitter algorithm. Um, Musk comes back. He says they're not being throttled. And that uh, the reason that they're taking precautions with Substack is the fact that it looked like they were trying to clone their API. So basically try to make a Twitter clone. I don't know if any of that's true, but I, I wonder if this is going to be a wake up call for Matt Taibbi and other journalists who got limited amounts of Twitter files, all right, on anything. And I've heard people say that uh, Musk has dropped the algorithm for uh, Twitter. Is that true? Musk, let's type it in. Musk shows Twitter algorithm, because I don't think it is true. I haven't seen any, any proof that's true. Okay. Okay, there it is. Yes, he did. Elon Musk open source Twitter code is completely dishonest and akin to misinformation because it lacks vital data to understand it, says critics. So so basically, it, the they're saying that the Twitter code that he put out there is just completely dishonest. Okay, I, I, I can't read that article, so I don't know. Um, let's see, there's Mashable. Tracks how Elon Musk's tweets are doing. That's March 31st. I'd love to see the post of the actual algorithm. All right. So you have this one here. But again, I want past, present, and future. I've got no traction on Twitter whatsoever. I think I'm going to do Twitter blue this week. And we'll see if that boosts my Twitter at all. I'm not holding my breath, everybody. I'm not. Well, I know. I, I'm not holding my breath that Twitter is going to start supporting me. But could use a, a follow, a like, a thumbs up over there as well. So with that being said, let's bring up uh, David Icke on debt slavery. You're talking about, you know, the economy and debt. This is what this is about. Debt is control. So let's get young people up to their neck in debt, massive debt, um, which they then spend the rest of their lives paying off. just to be bloody programmed with a systems version of events. This is a great list. This is what you learn from school. Truth comes from authority. Intelligence is the ability to remember and repeat. Accurate memory and repetition are rewarded. Non-compliance is punished. Conform intellectually and socially. 
This guy, H.L. Mencken, said, the aim of public education is not to spread enlightenment at all. It is simply to reduce as many individuals as possible to the same self-level, to breed a standard citizenry, to put down dissent and originality. And there was a study, there was a study at the William and Mary uh, College in Virginia, where they studied the personality changes as people went through school. And they found this, a massive decline in creativity as children have become less emotionally expressive, less energetic, less talkative and verbally expressive, less humorous, less imaginative, less unconventional, less lively and passionate, less perceptive, less apt to connect seemingly irrelevant things, dots, um, less synthesizing and less likely to see things from a different angle. That's what they found happens as people go further and further into system. And now uh, they want to create, they take this system and they want to make the kids pay for it with debt for much of the rest of their lives, right? Now, here's my suggestion, here's my question. What do you want to bloody do it for? What do you want to do it for? Why do you want to go through this system and have them tell you what you must think about every bloody thing? And if you don't tell the exam paper what it's told you to believe, then you won't pass. Why um, is it the done thing that you, you go through school, kitty kitty, and then you, you then have to go to university? Oh, yes, you go to university. That's what you have to do. Oh, you've got a chance to go to university and you're not taking it. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, I'm not speaking to you anymore. And I'm your father and all this bollocks, right? Well, and I, and I see, I see these, um, these protests of young people and students in London and stuff over the ever-increasing uh, uh, fees that are being charged to get ever-increasing debt for control over young people at the earliest possible uh, uh, stage in their lives. And I see them do their protests and all that stuff, and that's great. And then they go back to bloody college and university. The only way it's going to change is if they refuse to bloody go. Don't take part in the system. Now... And they say, well, I won't get a good job if I don't go to university. I know university students are packing shelves in supermarkets. Surely you have the, 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 the creative ability to create a life without going through this friggin' sausage machine. Come on, we can do this. We don't need the bloody system. And look, I'm a huge advocate for skill-based education trade schools, mentorships, and in some cases, uh, a collegiate education makes sense. If you're going to be a doctor, I want you to go to college and then medical school, period. I do, I do. However, what I saw when I went to college in the late 90s, early 2000s, was a lot of people getting business degrees, not really learning business getting communications degrees. When I took comm courses, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it was a course. Everything seemed like common sense. It was unbelievable to me that this was even considered college. Like, what is this? It's a bad joke. And then I saw a lot of people getting teaching degrees. And look, I'm not trying to come down on these people. I'm not trying to make myself out to be high and mighty, but 
I tested better than most that were becoming teachers. All right, whether it be on the SATs or, you know, um, advanced placement exams, AP exams back in the day, tested better than a lot of these people that became teachers and educators and were extremely malleable in the system. And then there were various degrees otherwise. Some people got history degrees, no job in a history degree. You can become a history teacher if you get the teaching degree with it or you can work in a museum. So I'm not saying don't learn history, not even saying don't go to college, but if you're going to college, you better know what you're trying to do with your life. Like, I I, I get it. There, there has to be an, an open window. Like, I never thought I was going to be doing this as a living. I really thought I was going to end up being an animator or a graphic designer, working in the film industry, et cetera. But I used the skill sets that I learned via the computer labs and the graphics programs to now do this. All right. And this is how I also made documentary films. And I learned a lot about filmmaking and editing in the process. You got to be immersed in the process. And that's why a mentorship or an internship is so much more vital to get in at the ground level on any of these things. And I realize that some people can't get an internship until they feel like, you know, they, they've got a bunch of uh, college applicants. The truth is, if you're a motivated person and you have a, a skill set of communication, you can usually find a way in if you're willing to work for free. If you're willing to bite down on it and say, look, I just want the education. I, I just want to be a part of this. I want a job eventually, but I'm willing to do what you tell me when you tell me to do it so I can just get in the industry. Wow. Wow. And then you bite down hard on that mouthpiece and get it done. Wow. Not a lot of people doing that these days. So I want to hit a couple other stories and then we're going to play these sustainability goals. Um, over 100 more classified documents appear online. U.S. secrets from Ukraine to Middle East to China. Um, in fact, you had the State Department asking Twitter to take down links to some of these classified documents. And, you know, that that's how the Internet works is we scrub and we censor. You know, thankfully, Musk kind of laughed that one off. But control and censorship via social media has been going on from its inception, has gotten much, much worse. And even the, the people that are supposed to be the bastions of freedom, like the muskernuts, ain't great. And I want to I want to preface this by saying, look, Assange is still in Belmarsh now four plus years, four plus years as part of the DOJ and the Trump administration and great people like Pompeo and Bill Barr. All right. We need more document dumps. We need more WikiLeaks. We need more people talking about these documents. And, you know, for the first time I had seen, where is it? It's got to be right here. This is it. I, I, you know, I'd seen the memes about the cocaine cowboy. I hadn't seen the video that this was based on. But as you can see right there, there's a huge pile of what appears to be cocaine next to the next Winston Churchill. Yes, he's the next Winston Churchill. What? First of all, I'm, I'm not even sold on Winston Churchill. But that media talking point was just 
He sounds like Churchill. Oh, he sounds like Churchill. He just sounds like Churchill. What the? I mean, talk about trying to initialize in your mind, number one, that this guy's a hero and he's he's for freedom, but two, that this could be World War II style, a.k.a. the next step in World War III is insane. It's nutty. It's dangerous. Danger. 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 All right. And, and, uh, and again, let's have a, a cocaine uh, addicted actor puppet be in the chart. But he, he's the next Churchill. He's the guy. All right. So these animated shorts from the UN, the World Health Organization, uh, and, and really a multitude of other ESG pushing entities have put these things together. And uh, this one in particular, I thought we'd do a breakdown of. It's between two videos, and I think it's about 11 or 12 minutes long. We'll be interjecting as it goes, and here you go. The 2030 Agenda. Our recognition that our future is in peril unless we reverse the persisting levels of poverty and hunger, the growing inequalities within and among countries, the millions affected by conflict, injustice, and exclusion. The deterioration of our planet in so we're going to reverse poverty and hunger we've only had decades to do that we only have plentiful resources abound throughout the entire uh world we couldn't do that and the whole inequality thing it's not like we're going to raise the standard of living in first and second world countries but we're going to keep them at that level we're going to lower or i'm sorry the uh um second and third world countries, we're going to lower the standard of the first world countries. The deterioration of our planet. Ooh, it's deteriorating. Planet's doing just fine. Dire need of healing and protection. Our recognition that progress has to be for all people in a way that is inclusive and just. They don't care about inclusivity. They don't care about justice. They, they want to make this inclusivity about if you question their motives or one group, a certain group that's a protected group, you're a bigot. You're no longer included. That's their inclusivity. And that can be sustained over time and across generations. Our quest to find new pathways for sustainable and inclusive progress. Whenever you hear sustainability, it is a code word, as we have shown you here time and time and time and time again. According to Dennis Bushnell, the head of NASA, over a decade ago, back in 2011, he said it is a code word for your standard of living plummeting. Your standard. First world, done. The Asians and their billions come up. Again, they got to have that sustainable future ubi type lifestyle gets you as a debt slave make you feel like the lesser and as david ike said get rid of the creativity get rid of the questioning authority become more malleable at its core the 2030 agenda is a global promise to create an inclusive secure anytime you hear secure oh we've got to keep you safe and secure remember 
COVID-1984 nightmare alone together. We're alone together. Everything's safe and effective, and it's going to keep you safe. Do not trade your liberty for security, because you will have neither. Resilient and sustainable future for everyone, everywhere. Reflected in 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, with 169 targets to be reached by 2030. Yeah, I don't want to reach any of those targets. No poverty, not possible. They've never been able to get rid of poverty. Gender equality. But again, if if you look at that, that their their new gender thing has gone beyond male and female and into this wild west world of thought leaders and no science. But the World Health Organization, the United Nations are going to push the trans agenda on you because it is a transhuman one. That's reality. There are six principles underlining all these goals and targets. A human rights-based approach to development. Leave no one behind. They leave people behind all the time. All those people who are working in the cobalt mines are left behind. All right? And and they're never going to show you that shit. Gender equality and women's empowerment? What? By having biological males invade their sports? That's that's equality? Gender equality and women's empowerment. Again, women can have just about any career a man can at this point. There's no doubt about it. 100%. Resilience, sustainability, and accountability. Like the SDGs, these principles are interrelated. For example, you cannot... Oh, look at that. You got the nice little hermetic star right in there. That's the the as above, so below star. You think I'm kidding you? I'm not. Let's, Let's do it. Hermetic symbolism. Star. And there it is. The hermetics, I mean, that's that's quite the, uh, let's see if we can find the, the tarot card. That's what I want. I want the tarot card. Let's see if we can get the tarot. Let's see. Bump, bump. There's, there's the hermetic tarot. Man, I, I wanted the dude with the as above, so below. That's what we'll do. As above, so below. And let's see. Does that show the star in it? We'll do it live. We'll, we'll let you see me searching. There, there it is right here. Boom. There it is. That's what exactly what I was looking for. The tarot and astrology combining two forms of divination. As above, so below. And there's our nice little star right there. There's our, sustain, our sustainability stars. Yeah. Woo. Build a resilient society without empowering women. Aligning development plans with human rights norms and standards is key to accountability. And leaving no one behind is important to ensuring the sustainability of development results. These six principles, consequently, represent the bold transformative shift in our development approach, the 2030 agenda that is necessary for such a complex undertaking to succeed. In this video, we will focus on the first three of these guiding principles. 
the human rights-based approach, leave no one behind, gender equality and women's empowerment. There is an accompanying video covering the next three. But let's ask ourselves, what do these principles mean? How relevant are they for the 2030 agenda? They're extremely relevant because they're trying to bring in techno-fascism. All right, and total control and global governance. And then using the protected classes to go against those that are individuals that have critical thinking skills, that understand why sovereignty is important. Or that you have checks and balances. That it's not just bureaucratic dictates based in authoritarianism and collectivism, which is what the 2030 agenda is trying to achieve. And how do we integrate them into our programming at the country level? Let's start with the Human Rights-Based Approach, or HRBA, which is now well recognized as an effective and essential way of putting people at the center of development by starting from their rights as human beings making sure that these rights are a core part of how we assist them. We love you. There's the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is not a Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's about the collectivist idea of human rights and not the individual idea of your own personal sovereignty, of my body, my choice and that we measure our success by how well they are enjoying these rights. We were all born with rights. If so, development should make these rights a reality for all. All work to support sustainable development should therefore aim to enhance the capacities of governments also. So let's enhance the capacity of governments on meeting human rights obligations. Because governments traditionally have never oppressed human beings. Oh, wait! They have oppressed human beings. But again, let's give the government more power under the guise of human rights obligations. Sounds like a great plan. Great idea. Duty bearers, in terms of meeting their human rights obligations and enhance the capacities of all people, also called rights holders, to claim their rights. You got to claim your rights and you're a rights holder. No, my rights are inherent from God. They are God given. I don't need you to ensure them, enshrine them, enforce them. None of it. Get the mother truck away from me with this. It's collectivist garbage. Our aim should be to support countries in developing both these capacities. Why is this important to the 2030 agenda? Because the human rights-based approach ensures that development is not seen as charity or an option, but rather as a concrete obligation. Yeah, like blockchain slave camps for refugees, where we take your biometric information, you sleep in a tent on the ground, but we provide your food for you, we'll find your work. So the human rights-based approach to ensure development. And this idea of stakeholder, oh, you're a stakeholder in stakeholder capitalism. No, it's techno-fascism. You know, first of all, we don't live under true capitalism. But the idea that I have not only private property rights, but I am secure in my persons as well, 
also extremely important. Okay, you get it? Also extremely important. Uh, like the most important, but not really discussed here. People are not seen just as beneficiaries, but more centrally as agents of change, as the architects of their own future. Oh. Success is not measured by some abstract economic indicator, but by the people's experience of how their lives have improved, not only for some, but for all. Let's break that down. It's not measured by some abstract economic indicator like whether you own your own home, how much rent or what you're paying on your mortgage, which would matter, how many cars you're able to drive at that home, how much food you're able to eat, economic indicators, but more abstract on how their lives have improved. But every So everybody's life is going to magically improve, but there'll be no economic indicators. It's the inverse of reality. If you look at actual economic indicators that your life has improved upon, it means you're making more money and your standard of living is going up and generally your life has improved. But when we're talking about everybody, you think they're trying to elevate everybody? No, they're bringing us downtown. Okay, it's the reversal. It's the inverse of this under the guise that everybody's equal. We're stopping inequality. Oh, everything is diverse. It's universal. Let's move now to the second principle, leave no one behind. At its core, it means ceasing to be blind to the situation of the poorest and most excluded. Recognizing that people and communities are often economically, socially, geographically, and or politically excluded. For example, due to their gender, ethnicity, race, age, disability. No, it's because of their socioeconomic status. Women can do fine economically. They can thrive economically. People of color can do the same thing. Okay? Any group, it doesn't matter. They can all do that. They're excluded due to their gender. No. When that happens, someone's excluded due to their gender. And nowadays, it's because biologically, they're not the gender they identify as. And we're talking sports. A ethnicity? Come on. It's 2023, especially in westernized nations. Ethnicity and race, what's the difference? I don't understand. Well, well what? Because uh, I come from a, a slightly different culture, from a different geographical location. I mean, come on. Ageism, you know, age does matter in a, in a job. You may not want to hire somebody who's in their uh, 60s because you don't know how long they're going to last. It's just, it's just a real thing. And then as far as disability goes, well, if you're disabled, there are certain things you are not able to do. And you are going to be excluded from certain things. That's just the way of the world. But we'll leave no one behind with our SDGs. Huh? or a combination of these, leading to multiple, often compounding discriminations. These groups thus experience additional obstacles and vulnerabilities in their ability to enjoy the benefits of development, which need to be understood and addressed. Their situation is not happenstance. It's the result of policies and practices 
in some cases even laws, that produce and reproduce these inequalities over generations. For many, their situation is not even acknowledged, let alone measured and addressed. If we don't reach out to them first, listen to them to understand the often compounding challenges they face, and work with them to overcome these, we will not advance on any goal. Why is Leave No One Behind important to the 2030 Agenda? Well, because it's the central promise of the agenda, and also a recognition that all people and all communities have rights, regardless of who they are or where they were born. But also, because people and communities being left behind are an integral part of the solution to the sustainable development we want to achieve. Instead of generating just prosperous and peaceful societies, inequality breeds social tensions. Like, <laughs> just prosperous and peaceful societies. Now, generally, the vast majority of westernized societies and many other uh, even even second world nations are relatively peaceful and 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 even become more prosperous. All right, but again, that's that's not the push. That's not the rub. The rub is about command and control and the regimentation of all human beings. Political discontent and instability. Finally, what about gender equality and the empowerment of women? Isn't this part of the commitment to human rights and to leave no one behind? Yes, of course it is. At the same point, it's important to explicitly acknowledge the fact that gender-based discrimination is one of the most prevalent forms of discrimination, creating barriers to the development of the full potential of half the world's population. Discriminatory norms and harmful gender stereotypes, prejudices, and practices continue to prevent the full realization of women's human rights everywhere. And once again, they're not talking about, they don't care about women. They don't care about women's rights. All right, it's a wedge issue. You're a misogynist, you're a bigot. And they're not even talking about biological women anymore. Again, the World Health Organization has come out, it's their coming out party. This is about the destruction of the human species on the altar of social Darwinism, all right, to create the next species of consciousness, which they believe will be immortal and that they'll be a part of that. And it's clear that gender inequalities often intersect with ethnicity, race, age, disability, and other factors mentioned above to disproportionately affect women and girls. Needless to say, equality is a sine qua non for sustainable development. This means that faster progress across all SDGs requires that policies integrate a gender dimension throughout. See that? Integrate a gender dimension throughout. You wonder why they went after Thomas? Because gender is the next big move. It's a social construct. It's a social construct. And remember, it goes from them talking about sex in this to gender in from transgender to transhuman, from transgender to transhumanism by Martin Rothblatt, same author, one of the largest pushers of this agenda, both 
visually and economically. Outwardly doing it, obviously, the most powerful transgender person on the planet. Find me a more powerful one. And then watch the money that's going into it. Gender stereotypes, prejudices, and practices need to be eradicated if we want to achieve any progress of any form. At yeah, you're going you're gonna <laughs> to eradicate stereotypes, prejudices, and practices. That means the traditional role of a man and woman in unity. That means any kind of traditional role in a mother mothering her children or a father fathering their children. No, they're co-parenting. They're birthing people. It's not just prejudices. It's the practices. They need to be eradicated. Like you, you deciding what's best for your child. No, it's a ward of the state and this sustainability agenda. That's what they're pushing here. All right, let's go to the next part. So how do we integrate these three interrelated principles into our cooperation frameworks? We propose four ways. One, by aligning our plans and programs with international norms and standards. International norms and standards. In other words, we're going to have you sign on to different treaties and act like this is the law of the land through our human rights declarations. Two, by addressing inequality and discrimination from the start. Inequal, I mean, inequality and discrimination from the start. What appears to be, um, you know, a, a woman probably from India and then a, a white male, uh, maybe, kind of, sort of, who knows? Three, by ensuring the active and meaningful participation of all. And four, by integrating robust accountability mechanisms throughout. Robust accountability mechanisms throughout. In other words, a way to punish those who dare to resist our system of command and control. Gotta be able to punish them. Step one, don't start from scratch. Take advantage of the human rights commitment the country has already made in reviews by the Universal Periodic Review, or UPR, for example. Treaty bodies, like the Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, or CEDAW. CEDAW. The Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. Treaty bodies. In other words, here. Sign over your sovereignty and your human rights to us. We'll decide what they are. And special procedures of the Human Rights Council, like the Special Rapporteur on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Each of these mechanisms has issued targeted recommendations to the country, which can guide our cooperation framework planning and programming. And they are all cataloged by country, by affected group, and by SDG target in the link we will provide you at the end of this video. These are authoritative, credible, validated data on national priorities and countries' commitments to which we should align our programming. Step two, let's start designing the cooperation framework by identifying the patterns of discrimination in the country's laws, policies, and practices. Let's take it over from the outside the discrimination in the country's laws, policies, and practices. And, and what do you hear about our country? We're a bunch of white supremacists. 
We're a bunch of bigots. We're a bunch of transphobes. We need to find the inequalities hiding behind the averages in data and statistics to ensure progress for all population groups at a disaggregated level. Let's design programming to support the legal, policy, institutional, and other measures that are necessary to reverse the prevalent inequalities. Notice that? So legal, policy, and institutional, but we'll have other measures from these non-government organizations or NGOs so we can reverse the prevalent inequalities. No, so you can reverse or crush what? The societal norms that we've had for centuries, if not millennia, when we base it in the family structure. They want that gone. Let's ask ourselves, which groups are being left behind? Why are they being left behind? Who is furthest behind within them, either from gender-based discrimination or other intersectional aspects? I mean, have you heard the word salad? It's more gender-based discrimination, but this intersectional aspects, all the buzz terms of total bullshit, intersectional aspects of diversity and gender-based discrimination, affirmation that we must do something on behalf of inequality. What is preventing these rights holders from changing their situation? What is preventing duty bearers from meeting their obligations? Duty bearers. I, just the terminologies, man. I, they make my stomach turn. And finally, what can we do to support both these rights holders and duty bearers? Step three. Going beyond the what and the who, the next step is to pay attention to the how. In this case, how to benefit from everyone's contribution in shaping your programming priorities and implementation. This is not just about informing people or including them as recipients of support. It's about recognizing them as the agents of change they are, as part and parcel of efforts to achieve the 2030 agenda. It means using our convening power to create space for free, informed, and meaningful participation without any fear of reprisal. Yeah, if you're participating in their agenda, there is no fear of reprisal. If you dare to speak up and say that this is horrific and call a spade a spade, oh, don't worry. Oh, we've got measures to deal with you, you bigot. It means going beyond the stakeholders that we are familiar with, engaging with marginalized groups, going to rural areas, facilitating participation by those with disabilities and other measures. Step four, linked to the first how is the second how. How do we ensure that people can track what we are doing and verify that we are sticking to the priorities we have stated? By taking our word for it and believing our propaganda and going to our website. And we'll just tell you all the positives of all this all the time, how we're changing the world and we're becoming more diverse. To do so, we need to rely on disaggregated data to show how the needle is moving for those that were being left behind. Again, we don't want economic indicators on how your life has improved. Trust us. And now we're going to rely on the disaggregated data. We're going to trust the science. Just, just put your trust in us. That's what this is about. We need to measure our performance against 
how we contribute to this. We need to make information accessible to everyone, considering issues like disability, language, and literacy levels. They're talking about allowing information for everybody. Meanwhile, they're censoring information everywhere. This is, again, inverse of reality. For example, and we need to build in mechanisms for feedback and dialogue with those that we are seeking to support, listening to them when reviewing our work. So there you have it. The human rights-based approach to development, leave no one behind, gender equality and women's empowerment, and the four key elements to apply them in your cooperation framework, aligning plans and programs with international norms and standards, addressing inequality and discrimination from the start, ensuring the active and meaningful participation of all, and integrating robust accountability mechanisms throughout. We will give you the links to the recommendations from human rights mechanisms and a matrix detailing how you can integrate all these elements in each step of your cooperation framework design and your cooperation framework design and implementation. Folks, I am, I am a documentary filmmaker without you. I couldn't be doing this, so I want to encourage you to check out Loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, learn about 9-11 if you have not yet, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture. They're free right here, right now, and across platforms. We will be live again tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. sharp, as we always are here at redvoicemedia.com. I do want to remind everybody, we got a hell of a lineup, including Chad Canton, Ray Dietrich, Alicia Powell, and Matt Couch on the premium side of the broadcast and a lot of freebies as well. Make sure you are following myself across social media platforms, including Rumble and others, as well as Red Voice Media. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And we will see you all on the flip side.